How's everybody doing today? Hey, we, we may have a full house, so if you want to come in and find a seat, and if maybe if our ushers need a place to sit and you got some spots, you may want to wave your hand in a little bit. So, hey, we have a full service. We're going to start with our kids. We have a baptism in a few minutes. Um, we've got our sharing about Guatemala. We're going to worship, and then I'm going to preach. And so we may be here longer than normal, but that's all right, because if you signed up for barbecue lunch, you don't have to go very far to get lunch. So uh, you'll probably smell it while we're doing all sorts of stuff. But we want to give God all the glory. And so we're going to start with our kiddos. They are going to open up our worship service.
while they're coming down, if you will stand and take a moment and welcome those around you, and then we will worship together. If you'll find your way back to your seats and join us, you can stand and, and join us in worship.
worship you. If it puts me in the fire, I'll rejoice because you're there too. I won't be formed by feelings. I hold fast to what is true. If the cross brings transformation, then I'll be crucified with you. Cause death is just a doorway to resurrection life. If I join you in your suffering, then I'll join you when you rise. And when you return in glory with all the angels and the saints, my heart will still be singing and my song will thank you for a beautiful day, or we thank you for these children who have already sung, reminding us that you are the good, good shepherd. Thank you for the praise team who has just reminded us that Christ, you are to be magnified in all things and above all things. Yes. And Lord, now as we come to this point where we get to celebrate a young man who has given his life to you, Jesus, as Lord and Savior, and now wants to make that public through the act of baptism. We rejoice and we pray that you would be glorified in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Got you. All right, come right up here. All right, so this is Jackson, and he is coming forward this morning to follow the Lord Jesus in baptism. Now, Jackson, I believe, has some family and friends that are here. If you'll stand, family, I know he's got some grandparents. There we go. All right. Awesome. Thank you all for being here. You can be seated. Mom is right up here, and he's got some grandparents watching from Texas who couldn't be here today, and so I want to give them uh, a shout-out. So, Jackson, I have one question for you. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and Lord and Savior of your life? Yes. Amen. 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 Based upon that profession of faith, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in Christ, raised to walk in newness of life. Amen, man. Amen, brother. Amen. 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 All right, if you'll stand, continue to worship with us.
Amen. You may be seated. To recap some of our trip that we recently uh, had to Guatemala, a mission trip, and as we sing about God's love, um, I'm just reminded through our trip uh, how God seeks us out. That's something we talked about uh, during the week, um, how God um, makes us a part of his story. He, he seeks us for his salvation, and then in turn, he allows us to be a part of ministering to others uh, and seeking them out in salvation. So um, during winter break, the week of February 19th, uh, we flew to Guatemala, a group of 18 uh, people from, from the church here, uh, through a partnership with Casas Por Cristo, Houses for Christ, um, led by our missionary who's local here, Justin Kirkland. Uh, the homeowners that you'll, that you'll hear about and see were selected by the local pastor, so they worked through a local uh, church. So Pastor Jorge uh, is who selected uh, the family that we'll learn about. Uh, on this slide here, just want to kind of get you oriented with the geography of, of where we were. So if you're not familiar, Guatemala is just below uh, Mexico there um, in the northern part of uh, Central America. San Ramundo, up the dot up near the top, is actually the, uh, the city in which we built, uh, so kind of a small town there. We flew into Guatemala City. Uh, we drove for about an hour and a half or two hours. I looked it up. I was like, it's probably like 30 miles. It's like 20 miles uh, is what it is. It's 32 kilometers. Um, so we were up there. You'll see a little bit down here in the bottom left. Uh, you may, may see Antigua or maybe you've heard of that before. Uh, we spent Friday uh, there in some leisure time. If you go to the next, oh, sorry, the, the, the church in the bottom, that's Pastor Jorge's church. So that's the, the church that we were actually partnered with for the build. If you go to the next slide, uh, this is just an assortment of, of different pictures. There'll be a video recap that we'll show in just a minute uh, that we'll have more. But you can just kind of see the vibrant uh, color um, and also maybe a hint of some of the, uh, the poverty that was there. It's not a, not a wealthy uh, community. It's not a tourist community. We were, um, I like to joke that we blended right in, a group of 18 people walking around downtown San Ramundo, but we stuck out like sore thumbs. But, um, but this is one of the places that Casas builds, and so they were very familiar with Americans being there specifically for this purpose, and they were very uh, grateful for that. On the next slide, uh, this is the family. You, you would have seen their picture out in the, in the foyer before we went. Uh, but on the right, that's Edgar, his wife, Elvia, and their three-year-old son, Julian. Uh, she's also expecting another child in July. Uh, up in the top, you can see the house that we built in roughly two and a half days. So it was, it was dirt when we showed up. Uh, we leveled the dirt because it wasn't even level dirt. And we leveled it, poured a slab and uh, built a house. It was a little bit of a challenge. It was on elevation. The family themselves actually poured the or made the retention wall um, by hand, loading you know buckets of dirt to, to fill that in. Um, they work in the construction industry, but they did that before we were there. So what we built was on top of, of that foundation. On the left, you can, you can read about what our, our general schedule was. I'm not going to go through that uh, in detail. But we're going to have a few people from the group uh, come and share, and then we'll, we'll watch the video. So Debbie is coming first. Hi, I'm Debbie Morris, and I want to start by saying thank you 
Your generosity to our building project in Guatemala has changed lives. God used it to change the lives of our team, and he's used it to make a huge impact in the lives of this family, their extended family, and even the local church in Guatemala. Edgar, Elvia, and Julian are soon going to move into their own home for the first time in their entire lives. And the changes in their lives are what affected me the most. See, I'm a very task-oriented person. Give me a project or a list of things to do, and I'll stay focused and get them done, sometimes ignoring those people that I should stop and, and give my full attention to. I rush around trying to get everything done, not thinking about why I'm doing it, just to get it done. So through this experience in Guatemala, God's shown me that I am his servant doing his work for his glory. It isn't about the task itself, but it's all about serving God's people in the ways that he's called me. I'm serving God, not for myself or for show, when I serve at church, like church luncheons or Awana, and I've long believed that I did not feel called, and honestly, I'm a little scared, to openly share the gospel with strangers and non-believers. I believe that serving my husband and children, sharing my faith with them, and just loving on them by cooking and cleaning and laundry and things, that that was all that God had called me to do. So what happened in Guatemala? Justin, our team leader that Brian told you about, uh, he began the first night by reminding us that all of us were called to be in Guatemala at that time to help that specific family. It wasn't, we weren't there to just build a house and to go home. We were being used to bring the love of Christ to a family in need. We could have helped a family, use the money to help a family in our church or in our community, but God called us to help this family. Justin shared a personal experience with me when I asked him, why didn't we just send money to local Guatemalans to build the house for this family? He told me that one day he was driving back to the warehouse after a build, and he turned the corner and there was this man, no shirt, no shoes, his pants were ripped, he was obviously homeless. So Justin felt compelled to help him, so he pulled over and he gave him, offered him money that was in his wallet, he rolled down the window, and the guy just looked at him and walked away, didn't take the money. A week later, he was driving back from another build, this time he had a coworker in the car with him, and um, they turned the corner on the same street and there was that same man. This time, the coworker pulled the truck over, he got out of the truck, Pulled off, sorry, he pulled off his own shirt and he put it on the homeless man. He pulled off his own shoes and he put them on the homeless man. He talked to the man, he hugged the man, and he got back into the truck shirtless and shoeless. So God used this true story to show me that's why we were in Guatemala. We didn't just send money. We gave our time to build and physically love on these people. By sharing, serving them, I was sharing Christ's love. That love is going to draw them to their local church where they can serve and worship God. Our God loves them so much, they sent a team of 18 people all the way from Georgia to build a house for them. We shared the gospel. I shared the gospel, and I share the gospel each time I serve in church and I serve my family. And I wonder where God's going to call me to serve next. Good morning. So this was my first international mission trip ever and my first time ever in a third world country. So that was a new experience for me. 
Um, some people wondered how in the world we were going to get this house built in three days. I never doubted that, but I wondered how, if I was going to last three days down there getting it done. On the first day after I lifted what seemed like my hundredth bucket of sand of the cement mixer, I was questioning my life choices at, at that point. But it worked out. It worked out well. Everything was good. Uh, in high school and college, I took Latin as a foreign language. And I thought, surely that'll have, have helped me in Latin America. Turns out that's false advertising. There are no ancient Romans in Guatemala, so that, that fell in. So a, a good working knowledge of conversational Spanish is very beneficial in, in such countries, and I didn't have that. But Jesus said in Matthew 5, 16, he said, Let your light so shine before men that others may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So I made the statement to the family that I hoped the language of service and love would transcend the natural language barrier that existed between us, and I think it did. Um, it was a very good thing we did. Uh, every minute that was spent down, spent down there was valuable. Every dollar that was donated was used for a great purpose. Thank, thank you all who gave money for that. Um, I hope this is something we'll do every year, and I hope I look forward to the next time. Next time we we'll get to do it. So thank you. So good morning. So first off, like Chris just said, I just want to say thank you to all of you who just donated and helped support our trip and our team. And also thank you to Brian for leading us and giving us all this opportunity to go. So for me, this was also my first time ever being outside the country or going on an international mission trip. And I've always heard people come back and like talk about it and just how eye-opening it was and just a different experience. And I'm very thankful for the opportunity that I got to witness that. And so. Before this trip, after school or work or something, I always just come home and not really think much about it. When we buy houses, we typically just go and look at pre-built houses that people just apply and we pick one that fits our needs or that we can afford. But this family we built for, they didn't have that opportunity. They had to rely on a group of 18 Americans to come from their country, didn't know them, didn't speak their language, and who didn't build houses, we didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> And maybe Paul acted like he knew what he was doing, but he didn't. <laughs> but just the fact that they had to rely on us and trust that God would provide that for them, it's just, it showed their faith in not only us, but in one that's bigger than us. And from day one, the family just hopped in and started building alongside of us and just building relationships with us. And if it wasn't for them, I don't think we would have been able to finish in the amount of time we did, because they just hopped right in and did everything better than us. They had 12-year-olds throwing 200 pounds of concrete on their bag and running or on their shoulder and just running down hills while we were struggling to carry one. <laughs> um, and even though we were from different countries and spoke different languages, we were all there for the same reason. We were all united in Christ. And we were able to worship together in Spanish and English, as you'll see in the video here in a minute. So I'm just very thankful for the opportunity to go, and I'm looking forward to going on another one. So thank you. Hello. Um, so I want to begin by saying thank you to all of you who gave, because this was an amazing trip. I think everyone who went benefited from it. It was a very 
impactful trip. Um, a little bit about me is that I was actually adopted from Guatemala when I was six months old. So this trip meant a lot for me. I haven't been back since. So what really impacted me was opportunities that we have in America that I take for granted every day. Electricity, running water, being able to throw toilet paper in the toilet, that was, that was hard. Um, but just for example, I will be going to college in a few short months. I will be going to try to work as a commercial pilot. And when I went down there, I realized those people don't have opportunities like that. They, they really have very limited opportunities. And I often take for granted what I have in my life. Their house was just this little 15 by 15 um, little thing out there. And it made me realize how much God has blessed me in my own life. He has given me two wonderful parents, friends, and a wonderful church to go to every Sunday. And I couldn't have asked for anything better. The second thing is, is that when I went down there, the family had very little. And yet they would bring us food and drinks every time we were at the workplace. And we had a cooler full of stuff. I mean, they didn't have to do it, but they wanted to show their gratitude. And made me think of this verse, Luke 21, 1 through 4. And Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, truly I tell, to you, tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them, for they contribute out of their abundance, but she has contributed out of her poverty. And that really struck me that they didn't have to do it, but they did it out of love. Um, last thing I would say is I wondered going there how much we could impact them without being able to speak the language or I couldn't tell them about Christ because I don't know their language. But as we built, we were showing them through our actions who Jesus was. And in Acts 4.13, it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. And that is what I feel like we did with them. Well, buenos dias. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> Um, so I was so blessed to get to go to Guatemala two weeks ago um, to serve this family. Um, when I hopped on the plane to Guatemala, I, didn't, I just knew that I was there to gonna build a house and going to do it hopefully in three days and um, just get to experience a whole different country. Um, but when I got there, I knew I was someplace different. I was going to be uncomfortable that whole week. I wasn't going to be in the comfort that I knew here. Um, I was going to be driving down roads that were dirty and bumpy, and I was going to have uh, no clean water that I could use. I had to adjust my schedule um, with trying to find the clean water and do all the stuff to get ready, and that I was going to have to 
shower in cold water and I was going to have to be dirty um some things that I just don't find comfortable but um that first day of building um I quickly realized that all these struggles and all my uncomfortableness in this area was just everyday life for these people and um therefore um if these people can live and be comfortable in this I can be comfortable in this for a week with them and so it just quickly made me realize that I'm so 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 blessed where I am and um, how I have decent roads to drive on and I have a car to drive in and I have a house with my own room um, to sleep in and have plenty of clothes and good shoes to walk around in and hot water to shower in and um, it God showed me through that that I um, I'm so blessed and I can use my blessings to go in, out and bless other people um, and meet the need of one of the greatest physical blessings, which was a new house. And so throughout that week, I learned so many things. I learned that I am not as strong as uh, me and Carter both combined are not as strong as one of the family members named Jessica in Shoveling Rocks. So that was, that was fun. She, she, Jessica was one of the extended family members and she could shovel rocks like five buckets at a time, and me and Carter are struggling together to fill one. So, um, yeah, so the family, just getting to learn more about them and just all the things they go through and just how blessed I am and how I can use what God has given me to bless others. And just thank you, everyone, for all the donations and all the prayers because um, without y'all, we wouldn't have been able to impact this family as much as... Um, we did. So thank you, everyone. Well, I'll reiterate by saying thank you, too. It, um, it was such a privilege to be able to go to Guatemala. So I'd heard when Brian first went on his trip to, with Casas Por Cristo to Mexico, he was excited. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, I go. And so then he goes again. And I'm like, hmm this sounds kind of interesting. So to, it was a privilege for me to get to see what has made him so excited. And after being there, I understand why. You just want to bring all your friends with you. We want to bring all of y'all with us. In a sense, you were, because your money that you donated, you were with us. But it is an opportunity, just a very unusual, unlike any other um, mission trip. You're going with a goal, like we went to build this house. And... Um, so you get there and you have dirt. So you go from literally nothing to a home in three days, a life changing. Like Rebecca said, the greatest physical gift this family can ever get, a home. And, um, and I think Luke said it one night in the devotion, but he said it was very satisfying. So you work hard, you get dirty, you're grimy, but it was satisfying. You weren't grumbling. I don't know that I heard any grumbling on this trip. So a group of 18 people, you just worked with it. I think it was a different, um, just a different perspective. You just didn't mind it. And I think because just like Sean had said, we have all these opportunities and blessings we take for granted. And I don't know, there it was just different. You just, you were there and you didn't mind being uncomfortable to give this family the blessing. Um, and they were right there with us, like Landon said, just working all the time and, um, and they just loved on us. And so if I had to kind of 
Well, I was telling my little Sunday school class because ironically, we've been talking about missionaries in Guatemala for a whole unit. So it was really cool for me to go experience what we had been teaching the kids and come back and talk to them about it. But um, it was like our lesson in Sunday school last week was be in the hands and feet of Jesus. So that's what we were in Guatemala. We may not have spoken their language like we needed to, but we truly, like Debbie was saying, showing by our hands and our feet, our actions by building the home. And Chris said that transcends all under other language barriers that we had, um, and they would work right along with us. So in that, I would say the greatest impact um, that I came out was realizing the relationships that can form um, number one, we were there to build the house, but the really neat thing is the pastor that was there um, or that chose this family to receive the house, he was there at the building site. His family was there, other church members were there, along with the family that was receiving the house. So we were doing the building and they would help us, but I thought it was very neat that that gave intentional time for that pastor to speak into the lives of the family receiving the home that he may not have otherwise had because they may have been working. So the intentionality of the relationships was also a gift that was giving in a way that Christ's love could be shown um, to this family. And I'll end, I just thought this was neat too, and Justin the missionary was explaining this to us. Um, in San Ramundo, Hope, like if we go back and build, I think we'd probably go back to that same area. And we talk about with mission trips, building relationships, lasting relationships. And a neat thing is you with Casas Por Cristo, we can choose the pastor we want to work with. We can choose the area. And we had wonderful cooks that were just amazing. And just to shout out, Mike's birthday was on Thursday. They threw him a party. It was really sweet. So we can choose those. So that is another way that we can not just build a house, but continue to form relationships with the people there. And I think that's really cool. You're not starting over every time. You're going back to your familiar. You're going back to encourage um, the people that you've met the year before. So in the community there, as you can see, it's very impoverished and stuff, but I felt so welcomed there. And not at one time did I feel uncomfortable because they love the missionaries from Casas Por Cristo. So thank y'all again. Well, thank you. We're gonna watch a video now and just try to give you, hopefully you've heard the excitement um, from the people we really feel like, and we said this when we were meeting at night there, like we're really just giving you a glimpse, like you, we cannot articulate uh, in words what, um, you know, what was moving in our hearts and what I'm sure was in that, that family's hearts. And so encourage you um, to participate in, in future trips, but please en enjoy this recap video.
Holy. Lord, bless them. Thank you for bringing us here. Lord, thank you for guiding every step of the way. Thank you for this pastor who is loving on them and sharing Christ with them. Lord, thank you for this family, how close they appear to be. Lord, continue to protect them, watch over them, shepherd their hearts. You are the good shepherd. And he's the Lord. You have to build this home.
Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for all your goodness in this country, all the blessings that we have, especially compared to some other places. Lord, we also thank you for a wonderful church and lots of places to get involved. For the 30 kids that were up here this morning, uh, to chances to go on mission trips to other countries, uh, thank you for letting us uh, get involved and thank you for using us uh, for your service. Please just bless these tithes and offerings now as we give back just a small portion of what you've blessed us with. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Amen. All right, at this time, our three and four-year-olds and kindergartners are going to make their way out to Children's Church, first and second grade. You're going to stay in here with us. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. God is good, amen? amen. What an incredible time of worship uh, so far this morning. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. We are right on schedule. I was hoping to be up here at 1130 Um I want you to turn to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Hold your place there, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And then go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 10. We are not going to cover all of Acts chapter 10. We're going to do just a brief overview, a summary. And then I want to draw your attention to some things that the Lord is doing here as we think about missions, as we think about living sent, as we think about what God does and what he has called us to do. So Acts chapter 1, verse 8, would you please stand in honor of the reading of God's word. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You may be seated. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus provides his disciples with their marching orders. The Holy Spirit will indwell them. He will give them the necessary power to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 has also been said to be a synopsis, if you will, or a table of contents for the entire book of Acts. In the first several chapters, you begin to see the gospel being spoken to in Jerusalem and Judea. In chapter 8, you read of Philip proclaiming Christ in Samaria. And then you begin to see the gospel preached to Gentiles and to the ends of the earth. One of the pivotal chapters in that happening is right here in Acts chapter 10. The gospel going to Gentiles. John MacArthur writes, The events of chapter 10 is a milestone in the history of the church. John Polhill writes, chapter 10 marks a high point in the church's expanding mission. Here's what I want to encourage you to do, a little homework. I want you to spend some time in Acts chapter 10. And what I just want to briefly say to you, because we're not going to really dive into exactly what God is doing. We're going to see how he does it. But what God's doing here in Acts chapter 10 is it's his time and his plan of redemption to reconcile Jews and Gentiles into the church. So that's what he does. God is about to, Ephesians, break down the dividing wall of hostility between Jew and Gentile that he might reconcile both of them to God in one body through the cross. That's the big idea of chapter 10. Jew and Gentile are now going to be one in Christ. They're being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. We call this the church. That is your 45-second summary of what's happening in Acts chapter 10. And I didn't do that justice, so spend time studying that this week. But here's the question I want us to consider. How does God do that? How does God, in chapter 10, begin to bring together Jew and Gentile? He does it by using two men, Peter and Cornelius. And what I want us to see is what God is doing behind the scenes And right there out in the front, it's front center, to bring Peter and Cornelius together and thus Jew and Gentile. So it was Saturday morning 
It was the day that we came back from Guatemala. And in my quiet time that morning, I happened to be in Acts chapter 10. And I'm preaching from an old Bible, which is falling apart, because in the margins, this is the Bible I took to, to Guatemala. I may say Ecuador if I misspeak. Guatemala, uh, because I've been to both places. But the last day before we came back from Guatemala, and in my margins, I don't remember if this was a sermon I heard or if I just wrote this down in reading, but I have a couple things in the margins that God's doing that I want you to see because it is so important in what God has called us to do, and God continues to do it. So here's the first thing I want you to notice. That is an open heart, an open heart. Chapter 10, we're introduced to a man by the name of Cornelius. He's from Caesarea. He's a centurion. A centurion would have been a commander of 100 men. Look what Luke writes about this man. He was a devout man, a religious man, who feared God with all his household, so he's a God-fearing man. He gave alms generously to the people, and he prayed continually to God. So here's a Gentile, a God-fearer, a God-worshipper. He is not a Jew. Many Gentiles were required to become Jews, to be circumcised, because they believed then they could become a Christian. He's not a Judaizer. He had never been circumcised. He's a Gentile who is worshiping God. But notice, Cornelius is not saved. For in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, it tells us there is salvation in no one else. He is yet to really know and learn about who Jesus Christ is. He needed the gospel of Jesus. So what is God doing in Cornelius' heart? He is preparing Cornelius to hear the gospel. Acts chapter 10, verse 9. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. So God's working in Cornelius' heart. Now he begins to work in Peter's heart. Peter is on the rooftop and he's praying and he falls into a trance and he's going to use this vision to impress upon Peter's heart the need for the Gentiles to receive the gospel. He's preparing Cornelius' heart to hear the gospel. He is preparing Peter's heart to go proclaim the gospel. This is so important. Notice it is only God who can open hearts. Only God can do this. Acts chapter 16, verse 14 is very clear. This is speaking of Lydia. It says, the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. We, a week ago, right, we, we got on, or two weeks ago now, I guess, we got on a plane and we went to Guatemala. And the reality is, God, long before we knew, had chosen this family and had begun to work in their hearts. Now, this family, Brian shared, they had to prepare the land. They had to buy the land. With what little money they had, they had to purchase the land. Right? They had some skin in the game. They had to prepare the land. They didn't do the greatest job at it. We had to kind of finish it off, but they had to do it. And the reality is, is while they were preparing the land, God had been preparing their hearts. And God here is preparing our hearts. And he's preparing the hearts of those who are going to be sent. We were not there by accident. Those who went just didn't show up accidentally. We believe God was preparing each of our hearts for a purpose to go and to share the love of Christ with them. It starts with God opening hearts. Let me see something else. We see an open door. An open door. Cornelius has this vision in which he is told to send for one who is called Simon Peter. He is to send for him. So he sends two of his servants and a soldier 
to go find this Peter that he is to find. While these men are traveling, the next day Peter is up on the rooftop and he begins to have a vision. This is verses 10 through 17. And in this vision, you see he falls into a trance and the sheets are descending and he sees all these animals and there came a voice to him that said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean. He had dietary restrictions according to the law, dietary restrictions that would have automatically isolated them from fellowship and worship with Gentiles. Gentiles were unclean. They were common folk. And Jesus is saying, no, Peter, they're not. Don't call anything that well, God has made clean. Do not call common. So he is preparing. And while Peter is processing this vision, these three men show up at the house. What's God doing? He's opening a door. The spirit prompts Peter to go with them. Verse 22, and they say, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who was well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. This is an open door, Peter, to come preach the gospel to a bunch of Gentiles. And then we read, so he invited them in to be his guest. In Acts chapter 14, verse 22, Seven, Acts chapter 14, verse 27, we read these words. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. God is opening wide a door for the gospel to be proclaimed so that Gentiles can come to faith in Jesus. The next day, Peter and six brothers, along with the three men whom Cornelius sent, make the journey to Cornelius' home. You can read about that this week in verses 24 through 29. He gathers a group of people, Cornelius does. Peter's got an audience. Peter walks in, Cornelius bows down at his feet, he begins to worship him, and Peter's like, no, no, stand up, man, I'm too just a man. And then we read verse 28, and he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then why you sent for me. Drop down to verse 33. So I sent for you at once. This is Cornelius speaking. And you have been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, listen to this. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. You see that? God has opened wide a door. Cornelius says, hey, we're all here to hear what the Lord has laid upon your heart. God has opened a door. Listen, only God can open hearts and only God can open doors. You can try to force doors open. I'd recommend you not do that. Let God open doors. Only God opens doors. God had opened wide a door through the work of Pastor Jorge, through Casas Por Cristo, for this family to receive a house, but also for them to see the love of Christ. God had opened wide a door through your love, through your generosity, for, a, for our team from Northside to go, to spend a week in Guatemala, to share the love of Christ. God had opened this door, which started years ago, several years ago, by Brian going on a trip, partnering with the missionary, Justin. 
who lives nearby. He's visited our church one time. I'm sure we'll have him come share, speak at some point. Justin did an incredible job of leading this team. He has built over 400 homes. I don't know if he will ever work with another missionary with Casas Por Cristo. But God had opened wide that door. God had opened the door for us to go at this time, for in this season, for this reason. God did that. Now notice thirdly, an open mouth. Verse 34. So Peter opened his mouth. Let me reiterate. Only God can open hearts. Amen? Amen. Only God can open doors. Amen? Peter then, once hearts have been opened and the doors have been opened, it's Peter who opens his mouth. And once he does that, once God opens hearts and once God opens doors, we, just like Peter, must be willing to open our mouth, trusting that it is God who will give us the words to say, God who will give us the boldness and the courage to say it, but we are the ones who must open our mouth. And that's what Peter does. He begins, verses 34 through 43, study this week. He begins to open his mouth and to preach the gospel. He talks about Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection, how he appears, verse 42, and he commanded us, to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. God opened hearts and God opened doors, which led us, our team, sent by Northside to go to Guatemala. And while we were there, we had the opportunity to share the love of Christ. You already heard, we had the opportunity. This is one of the most exciting things for me. We had the opportunity to, pastor, to, to partner with a pastor on the ground right there in Guatemala, who long after we're gone can stay right there and minister to the people. And they meet for like an hour and a half or two on Sunday mornings, and they meet four other times throughout the week for worship. So if you're thinking, man, it's, it's quarter till 12, you're not even done preaching yet. They worship a whole lot more than you and I do. All right, so they're gathered. They're doing work there. They're hearing the gospel. But we had the opportunity to speak truth and life into this family. The last day of the house, the building of the home, we worked about a half a day. We were done with the house, and we had a dedication service. We presented a Bible to the family, right? Sean presented the keys to the family. You saw Mike uh, nailing in half of the plaque, and then Edgar did the other half. And then we had an opportunity. We had already worshiped. We had done some of that. Then we had an opportunity of our team members to be able to step up and to speak truth into their life. And I was so encouraged, one after the other, just all of us understanding how significant this moment was to build them a house. Church, hear me. A house they would not have had you not sent us. They would not have had a home ever. They were living with family. They, they could not have done it. So they have this home, but all of us understanding Though we're giving you this home, this is about something much greater than that. This is about the love of Christ flowing through us to you. And our prayer is that you just won't have an earthly home, but that you have an eternal home with Jesus Christ and we'll all be together because we're the family of God. doesn't matter what country you're from or what language you speak. In Christ, we're part of the same body. And so we opened our mouth. We got to speak encouraging words to them. Notice one other thing, and I want you to see God's salvation. God's salvation. Verses 44 through 48, the Holy Spirit falls upon these Gentiles. That's significant. 
He falls upon the Jews at Pentecost. Now the gospel has made it to the Gentiles. And so to demonstrate to all who were there that this is real, the Holy Spirit falls upon them as he did back at Pentecost. Now why does the Holy Spirit fall upon them? Because these men and women are saved. They've heard the gospel. They have received Christ. They have responded to the gospel. And now the Holy Spirit falls upon them. Listen, God opens hearts. God opens doors. And God alone can save. Amen? So there's some things we knew before we went, but here's something we didn't know. So you had Edgar, Edgar and his wife and their son, Edgar is the homeowner of this home that we built. Edgar's uh, father, right, was there and he was with us every day uh, working, Adrian, he was there. He, Adrian's a believer. Adrian multiple times shared uh, with us and every time he was talking about God or Jesus, he's a believer. Here's what we didn't know. Pastor Jorge, years ago, had built a home for Edgar's, the home that we just gave, grandfather. And it was through building a home for the grandfather that the grandfather came to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We didn't know that. So here we are presenting a home, and the reality, the reason any of them are believers now is because the grandfather had received the home and had given his life to Jesus Christ. One day, you saw pictures, a video, we were in that beautiful church, and we were all gathered in a circle. The family was not there. It was just the pastor, his family, and us. And somebody in the group asked how we could pray specifically for Edgar. Pastor Jorge said Edgar was a believer, but he had become lukewarm in his faith. Listen, I don't know what God's going to do through our being there and building a home, but here's what I know. I heard his wife emotionally speak at that dedication service. I saw the gratitude and the humility and their thankfulness and love in her and in her voice, and then I saw him. I don't know what's gonna happen, but here's what I think. It's gonna be really hard to stay lukewarm in your walk with Christ after what you just saw for three days. And beyond that, I have no idea what God's gonna do. You got precious little Julie in there. Who knows how God may use him one day? Look, we don't know long-term what God may do, but what we do know is that God is a God who saves. So here's the question for you. What are you going to do? What city is Peter staying in when God calls him to go with Cornelius? He's staying in a city called Joppa. Does that sound familiar to anyone? Does it ring a bell? If not, let me remind you. Jonah chapter 1, verse 3. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Why is he fleeing? Because God told Jonah to go to the Ninevites, their enemy, the Gentiles, and to preach a message of repentance. And Jonah didn't want to do it. So he went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. Hear me. Jonah first responded to God's call to preach the gospel with disobedience. I'm going to Joppa to get away from Nineveh. Peter, when he was called in Joppa to go preach the gospel, responded with obedience. We are called to make disciples. We are called to be his witnesses. We recognize that only God can open hearts. 
that only God can open doors. We recognize that it is only God who can save. You, as much as you want to, cannot change a heart. You cannot change a life. You can't do it. Only God can. But you are called, and your responsibility is to make much of Jesus Christ. It's why we do what we do here. It is why I am so grateful that some catchphrase that the Lord placed upon my heart as I had come back from Ecuador, this idea of living sent, of living sent, of spreading the gospel, of, of encouraging disciples, of needing the body of Christ, and of telling all that God has done, live sent, that it's catching on. That it was, when it popped up in that video, live sent. There was a part of me that was just like, yes, let us live sent. Somebody shared with me last week that, I can't remember who, but one of our Sunday school classes, they, they were talking about the Great Commission, and they began to quote from Matthew 28, and all the kids, like they knew it. That, that reminded me, yes, quoting the Great Commission every time we leave is a good thing that we are to live sin. It's why we do what we do. It's why, church, in just a few minutes, you might be able to smell it right now. We're going to have a barbecue lunch to raise money so we can send our students to camp. Now, maybe you came this morning and you had a certain amount of money in mind that you were going to give. Here's what I'm going to challenge you to do. Give more than that. Sacrifice this week, next week, the rest of this month in another area to give. Why? Why are we doing that? Because here's what I believe with all of my heart. When we send our students to camp, when they get away from the world as much as you can when you still have a cell phone, but when they get away from the world and get away from their parents and away from their home, I believe God opens hearts, he opens doors, they will hear the gospel preached, and lives will be changed and transformed. Amen? Amen. You know how I know that? Because that's your pastor's story. I wasn't saved at camp. I was saved in my church. But it was through in the fall of 1992, after my family had moved from Ohio to Kentucky, that I went to Gatlinburg, Tennessee. One of my favorite places in the world is Gatlinburg. Not because it's a tourist trap, though it is. And there's a lot of fun things to do. But because right there on one night, the Spirit of God got a hold of me. And I've shared this before. Christ was my Savior but I hadn't yet made him my Lord. And he convicted me to say, listen, if I'm your savior, I'm also your Lord. You must follow me. And then a couple years later at summer camp, in, in Ridgecrest, North Carolina, God out of nowhere called this young man into full-time ministry. I believe that God will change hearts and save hearts. And at camp, he'll call all of them to follow him. But just maybe, through your supporting them, he'll call one of those young men into full-time ministry or call one of our ladies into full-time missions because that's what God does, amen? amen? And we need to be about that. Now listen, next week, we're gonna have a Live Sent weekend. We're gonna go out into our community. And we're going to take the gospel. And I want to encourage each and every one of you to show up. You say, wait a minute, Pastor. You're asking me to go out and talk to a bunch of strangers. Yes, I am. And listen, nobody in this room, maybe some of you are, is as much of an introvert as I am. 
I'm up here not because I chose this, not because I wanted to be. I'm up here because God called me to this. Somebody this in, in Guatemala made the observation, you know, Pastor, you're really quiet this week. Every time I see you at church, you're talking to people or you're preaching. And I was like, now you see the real me. Like, th this isn't an act. This is what God's called me to. But when I leave here, it's like, okay, I'm going home. Introvert, right? This is, this is, this is who I am. I'm an introvert. And so I get going up and talking to strangers and sharing Christ with them. When you can't control the environment and you don't know them and you don't know what questions they may ask or how they may respond, I get that's terrifying. But there's a reason we're going. You know what that reason is? Because we believe God opens hearts, and we believe God opens doors, and we believe God saves, and he's calling us to be the mouthpiece. He's calling us to go and to make much of Jesus. And we believe, as God does this next weekend, that people's lives are going to be forever changed. They're going to be saved because we were willing to go. So here's the question for you as we conclude. Will we go and share the gospel? Will you be faithful. Will you live sent? God will do what God does, and he does the majority of it. He opens hearts, he opens doors, and he saves. But he's calling you to make much of his son, wherever you go. And I love what, what Mark has said. I've heard him say it multiple times. Sometimes it takes us going into another country to realize what we're doing there, we ought to be doing here. Now, we can't build a home here, can we, Paul? Too many codes and restrictions. We can't do what we did in Guatemala here in two and a half days. It will never happen. So we can't do that here. But we can be the hands and the feet of Christ and the mouth of Christ right here. So are you doing that? And if not, what's it going to take for you to realize God is saving and he wants you to be part of that plan. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, what an amazing time of worship. And Lord, we're not done as we are going to sing one more song together. We're going to have an incredible time of lunch and fellowship and supporting our students. Lord, we have seen our kids sing. We have seen the baptism of Jackson. We have seen students share. We have heard an incredible song done by the choir. And Lord, your word has been proclaimed. And now... Now we have to respond. Will we be like Jonah, wanting to run from what you have called us to do, which is to make disciples, to tell people about Jesus, to live sent, or will we be like Peter was? In this moment, in Acts chapter 10, when called by God, submitted to that, and when he saw that open door, he opened his mouth and proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ. Will we declare, God, through our words and through our lives, how great is our God, we ask all this in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand and let's worship together. Trembles at his voice, trembles at his voice. 
standing. Please look over your bulletin. There is a lot of things to pay attention to. This begins the week of prayer for the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. We'll talk more about that next week and going forward. You see our Easter service times. Invite a friend. Don't forget about our live community outreach and then of course our lunch right when we are done. 
they have this all boxed up into go containers, so you can go through the line, get it, go home and eat, or you can get it and sit down in the fellowship hall or go over to the education building. There's plenty of seats over there. In theory, the line should go much quicker because it's already ready, but if it takes a few minutes, be patient, give, support our students, and let's end our service as we have been for the last several months by saying together the Great Commission, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, say it with me. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Northside, go and live sent.